Everybody suffers. So how can I pray for you? Welcome to the EverybodySuffers.com podcast. I'm Carl Brown, and my hope is that through this podcast, I can help you make sense out of suffering so that either you experience consolation or so that you can share consolation with others. And this podcast is sponsored by Our Lady of Kibeho. Kibeho, Rwanda was the site of the most recent major church-approved apparition of Our Blessed Mother. She warned us of the Rwandan genocide of 1994, and she reintroduced the Seven Sorrows Rosary. And Mary gave this warning of the genocide more than 10 years before the genocide happened, which she confirmed by predicting the death and resurrection of three visionaries in Rwanda. And the warning she gave, she specifically said it wasn't just for Rwanda, but a warning for the whole world. So what will you do now? Will you pray the rosary every day as she asked, or will you one day regret not having done enough to prevent what she warned us about? I am your host, Carl Brown, and today I want to share with you seven Christian responses to suffering. And, you know, through Mary's intercession, we can experience peace in our families, find insight from the Holy Spirit, experience consolation. Uh, We can have Mary be with us in our sorrows and in our work, receive answers to prayer, experience protection from the enemy of our soul, and experience Mary's assistance at the hour of our death. And those are the promises of the Seven Sorrows Rosary. But let's get practical. Some people want to know, where is God in, in my suffering? Where is God in the face of suffering in the world? And that is what we're here to answer today. And, you know, I've, I've told this story so many times, but it's worth sharing. When I had made the final changes to the book, something you can count on about the seven sorrows of Mary. I All I needed to do was, was approve a printed copy. So I uploaded my manuscript and I was waiting for a delivery of, of the, the first copy, the proof. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw a delivery truck and my heart skipped a beat and I dashed out the door to meet the delivery guy in the driveway. And I said, hey, my book is here. And you know, the the Amazon delivery guy who's delivering books didn't seem so, you know, impressed. And and so I had to clarify. I said, no, I, I wrote a book. And then he just said, well, what's it about? And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking I was going to have to share the message of the book right then. But I stopped and I thought, what can I say to him that would summarize this book in one sentence. How could I touch his heart in this moment? So I took a good look at him and I, I said, this is a book about suffering and seven Christian responses to suffering. And, you know, my ears are not working as well as they used to work. And I couldn't hear my kids in the house saying, dad, leave him alone. He's still got deliveries to make. But it wasn't a question of when was Carl Brown going to stop talking about this book, something you can count on. It was a question of when was this delivery guy going to stop asking about it. And so I I kept sharing answers to his questions until finally I said, can I give you this copy? 
you know, I just needed to know that the margins were right and the page numbers were in the right place. And he said, are you sure? And I said, yeah, it just, you know, it was marked not for resale. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything with it anyway. And I asked him his name and I wished him well. I never thought I'd see him again. But several weeks later, there was a knock at the door and I opened it up and, and there he is. And he says, remember me? And I said, Larry from Amazon. And he's holding a copy of the book I gave him. And he's, he, he said, thank you for writing this book. Thank you for giving me this copy. He made a fist with his hand and he touched his heart and he said, everybody suffers, don't they? And I was just overwhelmed. I, you know, um, shivers were going up and down my spine. And I, and I, I thought, man, I really misread this guy. I said, what, what parish do you go to? Because I figured, you know, when, when I was sharing it with him, I didn't know if he was even Christian, but now I was thinking he must be Catholic, right? And he said, no, I, I, I haven't been going to church. And then he said, but I know now that I need to. And he said, the reason I came back here today is because a friend of mine was diagnosed with cancer and I wanted to buy a copy of the book to give him. And, you know, it was such an amazing gift from God that the first person that read this book was the very guy who delivered the proof to me. And not only that, but that it, it, it had such an impact that he wanted to share it. And that, and by the way, Mary can bring consolation to you as well. Mary can bring consolation to you in difficulties, in despair, in in the in suffering and and that's what you know i i told him the the book was a seven christian responses to suffering so i should jump in and, and and tell you what they are and it's not that the seven responses to suffering are the seven sorrows although that's true but be, because it doesn't it do, if someone's suffering it doesn't help for me to tell them well hey uh, Mary lost her son for three days. Right? That, that's, that's not a direct answer to, the, to uh, difficulties and desolation. So what are the seven Christian responses to suffering? How does, how does the Christian worldview help us when we're experiencing desolation or, or, or difficulties or challenges or, or suffering? And, and here we go. These answers come from Scripture. Okay? So, the first one is that suffering cannot separate us from God. We, we may think sometimes when life is not going our way, we, we might think that this is, maybe it's our fault, or maybe it's, uh, it's God's reaction. But suffering is it's not a separation from God. And St. Paul says in Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if you're experiencing suffering, if you have experienced loss or uh, illness or had to watch someone that you love suffer, or if you've had your world turned upside down, 
if you have feel like God is not in your life, Mary wants to console you and let you know that that suffering cannot separate you from God. God is not God has not abandoned you. Number two, even though your challenge, your difficulty, your suffering seems um, crippling, debilitating, it seems life-altering, it seems hopeless, even though you may feel that way, here is great hope for you. God will not allow you to be tested beyond your strength. St. Paul says to us in 1 Corinthians 10, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the trial, he will provide a way that you may be able to endure it. And you might say, but I don't want to endure it. I don't, I don't want to. But, but what God is doing in a loving way is he's strengthening you. He's, he's preparing you. And this is one of the one of the biggest messages of the seven sorrows is the third sorrow, and that is the loss of Jesus in Jerusalem because, because that's a sorrow that God brought to Mary. You know, when, when Simeon told her that uh, a sort of sorrow would pierce her soul, that was Simeon who, who, was, who was bringing that message to Mary. When Mary had to flee with Jesus to Egypt, it was King Herod that, that was responsible for that. But when Mary lost Jesus for three days, it was God who did that to her. And I'm not saying that for you to have um, you know, pity on her or for you to blame God. But we know that that happened because it's in the Gospel of Luke. And Luke knows that that happened because someone told it to him. And chances are pretty good that it was Mary, the mother of Jesus, who told St. Luke. And why would she tell him about that? Except that it must have been something good for her. She saw in that moment that God was preparing her for a time when she would be without Jesus for three days later on. And that would be after the crucifixion. So my point is that God will not allow us to be tested beyond our strength. But the th- this third uh, Christian response to suffering is that with the benefit of hindsight, difficulties appear as blessings. You know, God will not allow us to be tested beyond our strength. And you might say, but I don't want to be tested. But it's for our own benefit. And that's what we can see in the third sorrow. With the benefit of hindsight, difficulties appear as blessings. And we, we know that that's true on a, on a just temporal, secular, you know, non-religious way. We say, no pain, no gain. We know that this is true in grade school when you have math homework. What, are, what, what consists of math homework? What, it's problems. Have you done your problems? You've got math problems. Isn't that a crazy thing to call math homework? But that's what it is. You're given a problem to solve in math. And in life, you're given problems to solve. 
And James uh, 1, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, James says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so that third Christian response to suffering is that without the benefit, or I'm sorry, with the benefit of hindsight, difficulties appear as blessings. And if that, if that doesn't inspire hope in you, if that doesn't help you to encounter difficulties head on, then let's look at the fourth Christian response to suffering, because this, this does put it in perspective, and that's the whole point, is that suffering puts everything in perspective. And what I mean by that is, let's compare it, okay? And here's a quote from St. Paul in, two, in 2 Corinthians 4, let's not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this momentary light affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Okay, so here's what he's saying. Whatever suffering you're, you're dealing with, St. Paul is referring to it as a momentary light affliction. And, you know, he's not writing to somebody who got uh, a splinter or who stubbed their toe. A momenta- momentary light affliction, certainly, you know, stubbing your toe, that's a momentary thing. But he's saying that, that real, real difficulties, real challenges are momentary light afflictions. And, by the way, you know, in, he, he later, in 2 Corinthians 11, he, he explains some of the things he went through. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 27. Labors, imprisonments, countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers. Rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Here's a guy who's been through the ringer, okay? And he's saying that that these are just momentary light afflictions. And he's putting things in perspective. Compare it to the eternal weight of glory. So it's a great, just on a literary level, just, compare, just, just take the words, momentary light affliction, eternal weight of glory. Momentary, eternal. Light, and then weight. Affliction, and then glory. Put things in perspective. The sufferings that we have, they're, they're compared to the, the, the time that we have to deal with, with frustrations or things that don't go as, as we plan, that's in time. But heaven is eternal. So put suffering in perspective. Okay, number five, 
God sometimes uses suffering as a pretext to draw us closer to himself. And one of the great examples of this is in, in let's see, Mark chapter 6. Okay, let's, um, there's, it's a little bit of a long passage there, but the, um, the disciples are on the boat and it's, um, let's see, they're making uh, headway, but the wind was against them and they're, they're being tossed about on the waves. And Jesus sees this and he walks on the water towards them and he got into the boat with them and, and the wind ceased. Oh, what a relief, right? It was, a, they were experiencing a difficulty and then Jesus calmed the storm. Okay, that's what a relief. But let's go back to the beginning of the passage there. Mark chapter 6, verse 45. Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out to sea, and, and he saw that they were making headway. People. Okay, they were in the boat, and the waves were crashing, and the wind was blowing, and, and they were terrified. Jesus made them get into the boat. He's, he knew that they were going to have those difficulties. And as he's walking on the water, he says, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And this, this is how God can use suffering as a pretext to draw us closer to himself. In Matthew 15, we're told, Great crowds came to Jesus, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and they put them at his feet, and he healed them all. In other words, they were sick. Where did this sickness come from? God didn't. God does not bring sickness and death. Those are the consequences of our rebellion against God. But God uses those to bring us closer to him. He, he did make the, the, the disciples get into the boat, and, and, and he knew that there would be storms, but he used that to bring them closer to him. And it's not that God is, is uh, you know, sadistic and that he wants to see us suffer, but we, we bring the suffering on ourselves through our disobedience. Let's not fool anybody. Um, but God then uses that for good. And then you can say, well, but why did he do that? Why doesn't he just bring us the good? But then... Let's go back to point number four. Put the suffering in perspective. Big deal. <laughs> so what if you have a splinter? So what if you have a stub toe? If God wants us to be with him in heaven for all eternity, in joy and bliss. So, so you know, put things in perspective. And just know that God sometimes uses suffering as a pretext to draw us closer to himself. Okay, number six. If, if at this point you're still thinking, well, that doesn't answer my question. I don't want to suffer. It, you know, even after I say suffering cannot separate us from God, God will not allow us to be tried beyond our strength. In hindsight, you might find times of suffering as a blessing. Eternity helps us put suffering in proper perspective. God sometimes uses suffering as a pretext to draw us closer to himself. Even if you're not satisfied at that point, 
then and you still say hey there's, there's still a, the question of suffering there's still the problem of suffering well here we go number six jesus answers the problem of suffering by taking it on personally thereby redeeming it and what i mean by that is that he jesus isn't off the hook as peter creep said once brilliantly Jesus isn't off the hook. He's on the hook. He's on the cross. He is is using suffering for redemption. And um, here in Romans chapter 5, St. Paul says, God is willing to pay the penalty uh, to repair the damage caused by our sin. Okay, that's, no, I'm sorry, that's not the direct quote. That's what I wrote in my book. But uh, let's see if I can find that quote. Um, Okay. The penalty that we owe for sin is death. And Jesus dies in our place. He takes on that suffering on our behalf. He doesn't need to. He, He could have just, you know, he could have just said, well, here, this is the punishment. But he doesn't do that. He... He loved us even in in our sins and decided to to die for us. So that should bring us great hope. Jesus redeems suffering. And there's so many there's so many scripture passages that can fill us with hope like Matthew 5:4 Blessed are the sorrowful for they shall be comforted. Psalms 126:5 they who sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. Romans eight seventeen. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Jesus loved, proves his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. What what an amazing thing, because would you be willing to die for sinners? Would you create a race of, of creatures and then die for them? It's a crazy, crazy thought. So, number seven, the seventh Christian response to suffering is, and this is, this really turns everything on its head, and and this opens up another whole book, probably. And that is, we can contribute to the work of Christ through our suffering. We can contribute to the redemptive work of Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, Jesus says, or St. Paul says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body. That is the church. In 2 Timothy 1.8, we read, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. In 2 Timothy 2, Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. In James chapter 1, 
and I've already read this, but it's worth reading again. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let your steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Nothing. We can contribute to the redemptive work of Christ. And that means that through our suffering, we can help the redemption of others. And that is true love. Jesus says, greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. And suffering is a small way to lay down our life for our friends. So there you have it, the seven Christian responses to suffering. Suffering cannot separate us from God. God will not allow us to be tried beyond our strength. In hindsight, you may find times of suffering as a blessing. Eternity helps us put suffering in proper perspective. God sometimes uses suffering as a pretext to draw us closer to himself. Jesus answers the question of suffering by taking it on personally, thereby redeeming it, and we can contribute to the work of Christ in our suffering. The reality is that everybody suffers. So how can I pray for you? This is the everybodysuffers.com podcast. I'm Carl Brown. You can email me your prayer requests at carl at everybodysuffers.com. I, I want to pray with you and pray for you. My hope is that through this podcast, I can help you make sense out of suffering so that either you experience consolation or so that you can share consolation with others. God bless you. Have a great day. And I look forward to sharing more with you in the next episode.